0: Hi, I'm Jane Velez-Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist, and this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Absolutely thrilled to introduce a woman who is a novelist, a best selling novelist, Ray Starr.
1: Tell Hi, Jane. Thanks book. so much for having me on the show. Sure. Tell us about your books. Oh, I would love to. Thank you. So, um, when I began on my vegan journey, um, I experienced what I think most vegans probably go through that you find out all this stuff. And you want to share it with everyone, you just want to tell everyone all these horrors of the world that you weren't aware even existed. But it had the opposite effect for me. It wasn't working. I was becoming the uh, hashtag preachy vegan. Uh, it wasn't having the right effect for me. So I thought, what can I do? How can I raise awareness for this where people are actually open to listening about it? People that aren't vegan, that aren't climate aware, that don't have the same interest as me. How can I get them interested about this and wanting to know what animals go through in the in in the food chain process. And that was when I had the idea to write a set of stories. So I've written a fantasy-based trilogy, the Earthlings trilogy. And it is the story of a magic-born girl who uh, isn't aware she has all these powers. And she's basically got the ability to either save or destroy her world. Um, I did that because I think we have the ability to save or destroy our world as well. Um, But the twist in it is that it's a dystopian world. So it's our world turned upside down. So rather than humans being at the top of the food chain, it's animals. And Peridot, this um, wonderful uh, magic-born gifted witch here, um, has to decide, um, is she going to help? Who's she going to help? Why is she going to help them? How is she going to help them? And there's lots of magic and battles and things, you know, thrown in as well. Um, I named them all after vegan documentaries that helped me make the transition. Uh, So book one is Earthlings, book two is Dominion. Book three that I'm writing at the moment and that's out later this year is A Land of Hope and Glory. And I'm not sure where I'm going to go from there. I've got um, lots of ideas going around up there. (laughs) You remind me
0: of... J.K. Rowling, you have that same thing. She created a world, you're creating a world. I'm going to play a clip from the documentary.
2: All of us are considered earthlings. There is no sexism, no racism, or speciesism in the term earthling. It encompasses each and every one of us. Warm or cold-blooded, mammal, vertebrae, or invertebrate. Bird, reptile, amphibian, fish and human alike humans therefore being not the only species on the planet share this world with millions of other living creatures as we all evolve here together
1: tell us why did that inspire you oh gosh there's so many moments in that documentary that are hard to watch and i'm going to be completely honest it took me more than 10 times to watch that documentary because you see the horrific way that we treat animals in certain aspects of the world and um I couldn't watch it was like a horror movie you know the hide behind the pillow moment and when you realize these things or when I realized these things my life was never the same I had like the earthlings moment where you you watch something it it hits you it gets you and then that that was that for me I was pretty much vegan after watching it and I you know I, I was thinking how can I get other people to watch this but if I talk to my friends and people in my life that aren't vegan and, you know, encourage them to watch these things. They've got no interest. They don't want to. So I thought, how can I get people to watch this? So I sneakily named, um, a fantasy based book after it. And it seems to be working. <laughs> so, It was a different it approach. Does, but it works.
0: The entire process of how you created a character and how you made this happen because I've written four books, two New York Times bestsellers, but I've also written a couple of novels that I threw in the fireplace because they were bad because the hardest thing is to create characters out of thin air. air. How'd you
1: do it? What a question. Um, Peridot just came to me. So she's a really, really special girl woman now at the part that we're in in the story and she's basically she's the innocence in the world she's the child that doesn't understand what a chicken nugget is you know and readers get to go through her journey and see the earthlings world through her eyes where they are horrified that these things are happening to towards humans and then as the book goes on hopefully they make that connection that this is what we do to animals but I knew if I made it purely about the message that would alienate people from reading it so that was where the idea to make Peridot a witch came into it um I practice a lot of kind of um magical based rituals and things in my personal life as well so I just incorporated that into her personality she follows you know the moon cycle she's very much um at one with nature and the earth as a lot of vegans are as well whether they're magically or spiritually aligned or not and um yeah she's just this really really amazing character that that wants to help and takes it that step further of thinks well how can i help and then actually helps them which i think will resonate with so many people because so many of us want to help and other than going vegan sometimes we think well how 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 can we make a difference in something that's so vast and so big and everyone can and that's kind of the message of the book that if peridot can do it is this, this young girl who didn't even know she had all these powers anyone can and um I hope people feel inspired by her. I feel inspired by her. I feel like she's real. I wish she was real. She'd save us all.
0: For people who say, oh, I'd love to write a book. Everybody probably says that sometime
1: in their life, but they don't have the discipline. Like, how did you do it? What's your process? People hate asking me this question because my, my honest answer is I don't actually have one. So sometimes people will advise you to storyboard. So um, think of an idea for a story, jot it down, do you know, what we did at school where you branch it off and where is it going to lead into what character and then what what traits is that character going to have? What purpose is that character going to have? What's the purpose of your book? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to make people feel happy, inspired, sad, um, empowered? What What's the purpose of your book? Um, but that didn't work for me. Anytime I storyboarded and I made a note of saying this is going to happen and that's going to happen, when I sat down and began writing, none of that happened. So for me and anyone that might have... Um, similar writing style to me my advice is just write just sit down in a quiet space with a nice cup of tea make sure you're not going to be disturbed but a nice chilled meditation playlist in the background that's something that helps me write i have to have a nice kind of ambient sound and just write and whatever pops into your head just get it down on paper and go from there a trilogy
0: is a very very ambitious project
1: tell us about the next book you're planning this is the hardest one to write because i have to decide how it's going to end and i can't decide so where i don't have a process uh, where i don't storyboard and where i don't know where the story is going until i sit down and start writing I have in my head which characters you know aren't going to make it to the end who is going to make it to the end what the end battle scene is going to be um and again coming back to the purpose of the book because raising awareness for the awful things that we do in this world um needs to happen because until we know something's wrong we can't fix it but at the same time we do need to fix it so there needs to be a solution and raising awareness isn't enough um I need there to be some kind of purpose for in the book where at the end of it people think oh maybe if we did that this wouldn't happen and such and such and such I'm not saying I have the solution to the world's problems because I certainly don't but I have an idea and my idea is actually based off of the plant-based treaty Um, I've done a lot of kind of research aspects within the book so uh, the viva um animal charity helped me with um, the research aspects of the book to make sure that the things were happen- that were happening within my trilogy do actually happen to animals in real life I don't want to uh, have a chapter within the book where something's happening to a character and people have made this connection and the readers think well actually we don't do that to animals so everything that happens in the trilogy are, are things that physically are documented do happen to animals and we do do and the kind of solution at the end is based around a treaty um, I'm not going to say whether that goes ahead <laughs> whether she does save the world or whether she doesn't because I don't know until I write it I haven't got a clue how this is going to end I really don't I'm so excited to read it to read it to write it and to read it I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, it's really exciting, and um, I only planned in the beginning to write one book, but I realized there's so many things that we do to animals that I couldn't fit it in one book. It it had to be more than one, and I just thought a trilogy would be a good way to kind of the beginning, the middle, and the end. I'm just not sure what that end's going to be yet.
2: We've got a caller. Michelle, your question or thought? Hi, Michelle. Oh, hi. Congratulations on your book, Ray. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you, um, Michelle. So Thanks
1: so much. I have a question. Um,
2: there's a huge cognitive dissonance between what we eat and wh- what what we think about veganism. Um, what do you? What is your motivation or your impetus to encourage your family and your friends and people close to you to keep to to try vegan food? And how do you stay vegan? What is your your motivation?
1: Well, that is such a brilliant question. And again, one where I have to be completely honest with you, this is why I wrote the books. Because when I tried to have these conversations with friends and with family members, I'm I'm the only vegan in my family and within my circle of friends, they weren't interested. They didn't want to know. And I became that person that was ostracised in, you know, friends and family situations because they, they just didn't want to know. You know, they were me from 10 years ago who would be in a situation and think, oh, no, I don't want to see that. No, I don't want to know that, and then remove themselves from that situation. So I guess that's why I felt I had to write the books because it was my way of, anyone can pick up a book and be intrigued in the story and where it's not kind of pitched as vegan fiction, it's pitched as climate fiction and everyone cares about the climate. Everyone wants to save the planet. Um, Everyone's interested in that. I knew it had this kind of huge audience ability where people could, pick it up and want to read this story about magic and then by the end hopefully be open to hearing about these things because if I'm completely honest with you I'm not great at speaking about things that that was where I met resistance it just that didn't work for me I, I know I'm good at writing and I know I can make a difference through my words but when I when I speak about things I, I haven't had much success so um, writing had to be the path for me
0: Lindsay, your question or thoughts for Ray
1: Star?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, my question is about, I was really intrigued when I heard you begin to talk about spirituality and how that ties into being vegan for you. How does that impact on your veganism?
1: Oh, hugely for me. So I'm, I'm, I resonate as an eclectic witch. So um, my personal spiritual path um, revolves around uh, paganism, um, some Wicca, and some personal kind of spiritual beliefs. But the kind of Wiccan motto of, um, well, the creed of "If it harm none, mote it be," that really resonates with me. And that is a part of my life that's been a part of my life for a very long time even before i was vegan and it wasn't until i came across scenarios that we come across in our vegan journey that i realized i wasn't sticking to my own belief by simply not being vegan you know if if you harm none let it be and i was harming creatures every day by my shopping choices by the the products that i wore the products that i put on my face that i put into my body and um i feel like I have found who I'm meant to be by being vegan. I feel like I'm more spiritually aligned. I feel like I've found my higher purpose almost and I know that's so deep. And for some people they might roll their eyes at that and just think, you know, that's too much. But I just can't explain what it's done for me as a person. I would never go back and I would recommend it to anyone. But again, when I talk about it, <laughs> I don't um I don't get the response that I get when I write about it. So um We'll have to stick to writing. But yeah, great question. What about a movie? Or three movies? Oh, that's the dream. That's the absolute dream for me. I genuinely believe, and this is again where people might roll their eyes, but I believe Peridot can change the world. I I believe in this character so much. Her story is just, well, hopefully you might read it in a gray as well, but I do. I, I believe in her so much. And from the reviews that I get, her her story has an impact. People people understand they get it and they resonate and these are people that aren't vegan that aren't climate aware that don't have that interest yet but they get it from her story and I always think if it was if it was a movie if it had that kind of marvel moment where you know the superhero is this young this young girl and her friends that she meets along the way a lot of the characters are animals as well um so. The, the world is genuinely in reverse in, in in the books that I've written, where you know the, the, the creatures within the world at the moment that suffer the most, they're the ones that are now on top of the food chain. And you know, those of us who are classes at the top of the food chain now, maybe we shouldn't be, we're right at the bottom. So you see that real kind of role reversal and it's impossible not to empathise when you see what we do to animals being done to us. Um, I have to say it's a child-friendly book so it's not like a horror movie there's no there's no swearing and it's done in a way where hopefully you want to turn the page and find out what happens next not like oh gosh I don't I don't want to know so it had to be done in a certain way which was quite hard because you know the things that we do to animals how do I make that child-friendly how do I make how we kill chickens, lambs, cows, turkeys or or all the creatures that we hurt how do I make that child friendly so that was really really difficult but again I just think if that was in a movie situation it could change the world I can't believe it's not been done yet I can't believe we haven't had that Marvel movie moment yet. We've got some fantastic documentaries that changed so many lives, changed my life. You know, I knew I found out about some of these things through Veganuary, but ultimately it was those documentaries that made me go, gosh, no, this isn't gonna take me a year to go vegan. I'm gonna do this now because I've seen how that animal was treated. Um, And if that was done as a movie and not pitched as a vegan movie, so just pitched as a a fantasy epic that anyone can go and, and watch and enjoy, And then they get the message halfway through, you know, the impact that would have just, please can someone do that? (laughs) It'll change the world. It will really change the world. I can't believe it's not been done. Well,
0: what is your vegan story? You went vegan 2018 during Veganuary.
1: It's Veganuary now. Tell us all about that. Oh gosh, so um, my dad sadly died in 2017 uh, from pancreatic cancer and uh, when he was diagnosed um, the first thing that doctors said to him was for longevity purposes. Um, He was told he had three months to live. I wasn't aware of that at the time. I was one of those people that just thought, oh dad's got cancer but he's going to be fine. (laughs) I didn't realise he was going to die but he knew and he wanted to live as long as, as, as he could within you know, the disease that he had, and um, they said, stop eating meat, stop eating dairy, stop eating eggs. But the term vegan wasn't used with him. And back then, I didn't even know what veganism was. It was something I'd never come across. My dad certainly hadn't either. So the delicious foods that I eat now as a vegan, you know, my chickpea curries, my three bean burritos, um, I love a cauliflower doll. You know, there's, there's so many amazing, brilliant foods that make us feel great. Where the term vegan wasn't used we didn't look up vegan recipes. So he felt so limited in what he could eat in his final months. He didn't eat great. He didn't get the benefits. Um, he did make it to 10 months, just cutting out those foods gave him 10 months instead of the three that he was um, estimated to get. So that just shows cutting out those foods health-wise helps us so much, even without all the healthy input of having you know, a whole food plant-based diet. Um, and then when he passed, I think i kind of stumbled across veganuary but i'd gone i'd cut out those foods with him and i was struggling i went vegetarian first of all and when you go vegetarian i don't know if anyone else finds this as well everything's just smothered in cheese so i put quite a lot of weight on and i felt really uncomfortable in myself <clears throat> and um yeah i stumbled across veganuary and that was just it for me a game changer i am um, i downloaded dr gregor's um daily dozen which changed my life in so many ways um again a bit of a deep one but i was told previously that i couldn't have children um i'd suffered from a lot of miscarriages and um within three months of doing dr Gregory's daily dozen um i feel pregnant with my firstborn who's downstairs and then within a year of having him i feel pregnant with my second born who's also downstairs so um going vegan did it just gave me so so much from a health aspect, a career aspect. Obviously, I began it for health reasons, but then when I found out the animal side of things, um, I realised my business wasn't vegan. Um, I had a PR agency for 15 years. It was a really successful business and it was something that I loved and I was really proud of, but my clients weren't vegan. I was promoting products, um, fast fashion, um, you know, hair and beauty products and things that weren't cruelty free And I thought, well, I can't go vegan in my personal life and then have a job that can Completely contradicts all my personal beliefs, and then I had to close my business, which was terrifying, <laughs> absolutely terrifying. And that was luckily when the idea of writing these stories came to me. And where I worked in PR, and I've I've written on a freelance basis for magazines for years. I, I kind of had the skills there. I'd just never done fiction before, and it all just kind of fell into place. So for to anyone that might be listening to this. Um, If you're in that same situation where um, you're vegan in your personal life and your work life isn't, um, it's really hard to make the change. But if you have an idea for something, no matter how crazy it might seem, just go for it. It's the best thing I ever did. I'd recommend it to anyone.
2: How
0: are you gonna turn this into a movie? Everybody responded to the movie idea I think it's a great idea. I told you, you remind me of uh, J.K. Rowling.
1: Um, Why can't you write the screenplays? Uh, Well, I've never written a a screenplay before, so I I don't think I'd know where to start. Um, I won't lie, I've, I've had a PR agency working with me who's been absolutely amazing, and we're trying to get copies to fucking phoenix to ricky gervais to all the people that work in that industry that might read it get it and think oh my god yes we can change the world with this story and i genuinely believe if it fell into the right hands it really really could um i hope if you're watching this and you read the story you believe in her too i really believe in peridot more than i believe in myself which is crazy because she's fictional but i just do i believe in peridot so much um peridot was named peridot because of this ring that my dad left me it's just a plain ring with like a peridot stone on it and um it's like he's in the book with me as well I think that's what kind of fuels me to keep going it's like dad's kind of alive through the books which again some people might roll their eyes at and think it's a bit mad but I do I feel him in every word that I write I've put everything into these books they mean so so much to me and I just really hope when people read it they might mean something to the readers and change their lives the way that veganism has changed my life as well
0: Well, Earthlings is done by Sean Munson. By the way, Earthlings and Dominion both stream on Unchained TV, which is our global streaming network to promote the uh, compassionate plant-based lifestyle. So you could contact the maker of Earthlings, Sean Munson, or the amazing maker of uh, Dominion, Chris Delforce, and ask them... If they wanted to make the movie, have you thought of
1: that? Have you have you been in contact with either of those two men? So before I published Earthlings, um, I, I contacted Earthlings via the Nation Earth um, website, just sending them like a PDF copy of the book, which obviously probably nobody's even read because it was a PDF. This was before I got published and learned how you do things all properly, because I worked in PR, not not book PR, and it's totally different. Um, basically asking their permission um to go ahead with it because it's named in homage to their documentary I never heard anything back and then that was just kind of that but where I'm in a position now where the books are doing really well they've got great reviews and I I believe in the story now I'm not so bashful about it like oh I've written a story about talking animals because I'm trying to save the world like it's it's more than that now I believe in it enough I would love to if I can try and get hold of their contact details. So that's gonna be on my to-do list for tomorrow. Thank you, Jane. (laughs) Keep your fingers crossed for me, everyone. Uh, I can
0: certainly make that happen um, because he's a great filmmaker and I don't know if he would be interested, but it seems like obvious
1: synergy. Yeah, most definitely. Again, it's just not been done in a fictional aspect. There's so many documentaries out there that change people's lives, but there are people I assume like me that were already on that pathway. You know, I'd already gone vegetarian and discovered Veganuary and I had like a year plan. So as I was doing Veganuary, I thought, oh, this is gonna be really difficult. I won't be able to do this straight away. So the first three months I'll cut out meat, three months later, I'll cut out fish, three months later I'll cut out eggs and then lastly, I'll cut out dairy. But then I watched those documentaries and that was it overnight. I didn't need to do that. I saw what happened to the animals and I was vegan. I've been vegan ever since. But again, I believe the people that watch those documentaries are already on this pathway and it might help us go vegan quicker. But I think when you begin this path, whether it's for eco reasons, for health reasons or or for animal rights reasons, you always kind of get there in the end. How do we reach the people that have no interest in this? The people that roll their eyes when they hear the term vegan, the people that the climate change deniers and things. How do we reach them? And um, what does everyone normally do when they finish work and they get home? When when the kids are in bed and it's your chill time, what do you do? Most people pop on Netflix or they watch a movie or they read a book. And if something isn't pitched as vegan, then that's how you reach those people. But I, I didn't pitch my books as vegan, even though they are because as much as I want vegans to read it, I want non-vegans to read it and then hopefully begin their pathway after reading it. So that was why I had to pitch it as climate fiction. Um, I, was, I was wary of doing that. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Adam
0: in Texas, your question.
2: Uh, it's not really a question. It's more of a comment. You know, um, I uh, watched Earthling in a million years ago, and it invoked, such like a reaction because I could not believe what was going on, you know, behind closed doors, uh, this inhumane injustice. And, uh, I applaud her for writing two books about this. Uh, I'm glad, you know, I hope you, you reach new people that maybe couldn't watch the video, but still need to make the connection as to what's actually going on.
1: Thank uh, you Adam. Yeah, definitely. I I completely understand. Again, it took me 10 times to watch that documentary because what you see is so horrific, but then when you see it it changes your life, doesn't it? So it's um Yes, it's a life-changing documentary. Most of the documentaries are life-changing, but again, it's getting people to watch them that have no interest in it, because they're the people that we need to change for society to make the major differences that we need to make to avoid all the various catastrophic things we've got coming our way. (laughs) We are gonna take a short
0: break on Voice America Radio, but stay live on Facebook, right there. We will be back in a second.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America
0: or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with Key Influencers
1: Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. We don't follow,
0: we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez-Mitchell, and you are now re-entering a portal to a transformative way of living. All right, welcome back. We are here with the amazing race Star. She is in the process of completing a trilogy. A trilogy. I am blown away by the ambition Uh, of that that is huge two of the books are done and uh, we provided a link where you can buy the books Um, are I'm curious to find out if earthlings and dominion are also available just on amazon how did you get them published take us through all of that
1: so when i wrote the story at the beginning again because i'm just blown away that nobody else is well there are other vegan fiction authors out there but i had it in my mind that someone's going to make a movie soon and someone's going to make this amazing fiction movie and it's going to have a vegan message to it and in my head i thought if i don't publish this book someone's going to do this before me and it's going to be so similar to mine that mine isn't going to work because I couldn't believe, other than kind of George Orwell's um, anim- animal farm, it hadn't really been hadn't really been done, even though that wasn't from a, a, a vegan aspect. So I rushed originally and I, I self-published on Amazon because I was scared someone might get there before me, um, which in hindsight was um, a silly thing for me to do. It really, really was. And it shot me in the foot a little bit because um, – I don't have, well, I didn't have a particularly big following. So other than friends and family, no one had really bought the book. And then I was devastated because I thought, I've written this story that I believe in so much and nobody knows about it. Um, And then I was really lucky because a few months prior to that, I had applied to literary agents. I had applied to a few publishers, but it was during COVID time and in lockdown, and I just grew impatient. Like after three months, I hadn't heard back from anyone. So I just went on to Amazon, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing and hit the publish button. But um, then an indie publisher called Kronos Publishing um, reached out to me directly, said they got my submission and really liked it. And did I want to sign with them? And I thought, do I tell them the truth that I've already done it, but no one knows about it? And I did, I, I told them the truth. And they said, oh, well, where you've not had a lot of sales, that's fine we can still take you on and we can publish it and um, when that happened that wasn't everything changed for me so I wasn't just on Amazon then I was in bookstores I got to have like the book launch and all the rest of it and all those inquiries that I'd made as a self self-published author that no one had kind of got back to me as soon as you've got almost that kind of stamp of approval on your book from a publisher everyone comes back to you and then that was when everything just kind of changed. And my sales went from down there to up there. I'm hoping we'll get up there eventually. And um, now it's doing really well. So there's nothing wrong with self-publishing. If you've got a good following, then it's a brilliant tool available. Anyone can use it. It's a fantastic tool, but I didn't have a big following. So for me, it just wouldn't have worked. And I'm really, really lucky that a publisher picked me up. We've
0: got Simone. Your question or thoughts, Simone?
2: Hi. Well, I'm certainly hopeful that that movie is going to get done. You know, lots lots of uh, children to reach if uh, a Marvel sort of he- superhero was created to tell people about what's really happening in slaughterhouses. But um, I was just wondering, you know, a lot of us watched Earthlings. We couldn't really get through it, let alone, I assume, having to focus really hard on it. I mean, it's the most important film, I believe, in the animal rights movement. But was it hard for you? I'm just curious because obviously you must have had to really dive deep to write a book called Earthlings when you were watching it. Because for me, I sort of was, I wasn't able to really process what I was seeing the first time I watched Earthlings. And I definitely said to myself, I never have to watch this again because my life is different now. Um, so I was wondering, like, was it really hard for you? Did you have to keep going back to it? Because that's a, that's a really hard movie to, as important as it is, to digest.
1: Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, it, it was so, so difficult. It really was. And again, it took me more than 10 times to watch that film. The first time I watched it, I think I got about seven minutes in and I had to turn it off. I couldn't, I just, there was one particular scene and just, I physically couldn't watch it. Like my heart was going, my hands were clamming, and it just had that almost, you felt sick just seeing what we do to animals. It was just awful, but then I realized I needed to see, I needed to know because how would I ever implement the changes that I want to make and stick to them longevity wise? if I wasn't aware of the kind of truth behind them, because again, I went on this journey along with my dad for health reasons because I didn't want him to be on his own with what he was going through and everything. It didn't begin for me as an animal rights-based thing because I wasn't aware of what happened to animals. And then when I became aware through these documentaries, then I hit that kind of, oh God, ladder that I had to climb where I realized, well, I want to know it all. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it, but I need to know it. So that was when After Earthlings, I then watched Dominion. I watched Land of Hope and Glory. I had the Cowspiracy moment. Um, there's there's some to watch that are enjoyable, that you don't see the animal rights side of things. Game Changers, for example, Forks Over Knives is a good one for health basis. There's, there's endless fantastic documentaries out there, which is again, why I just can't believe no one's done the big the big movie that's, that's not a documentary based thing. I'm, really often we get there but um, yeah watching it was awful and then I had to get my facts straight about certain things that I was writing about as well so um, I was really lucky that the head investigations team and the Viva charity agreed to kind of um, speak with me and really break down in detail certain aspects of um, the slaughterhouse process so for book 2 Dominion. Earth Things focuses more um, on AI stations in the book. So um, the, the the mums are kept as milking mums. What happens to cows happens to us within the books. AI station stands for artificial insemination stations. But again, that's how I make it child friendly. I don't put in the book what artificial insemination is. They're called AI stations. But everyone questions what, what what is that? And then Googles it and then finds out that way without me making the book, you know, that horror movie kind of moment. There's the moments in there where you feel sad for the characters, but I've not made it. It's not a traumatizing book. It's a magic based book. I hope people feel empowered and excited while they're reading it, even when the horrible things are happening, because the horrible things are happening to us, not to animals. So it's, e- it's easier to digest that way. Um, but yeah, for Dominion. Oh, I'll go move to in. our
0: next caller, if I may. Sarah in Atlanta, your question.
2: Sarah? My question is uh, to ask you Have you ever been to an animal sanctuary? Or been to a place where they actually go outside and give uh, animals water on the trucks on their way to get murdered? Or have your children been to animal sanctuary or do you plan on any of these um, things? Thank you
1: fantastic question so again while i was finding out all the stuff uh one of my friends turned around and said to me but just because you've seen that on a documentary how do you know how do you know that actually happens and she was right how did i know so yeah i've been to a few save movement um vigils i've been to a pig one a chicken one and a cow one and um Cool. I was pregnant actually when I went to these. I was pregnant with my firstborn and it was just oh, awful, absolutely awful. But I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it because, again, you can watch as many documentaries, you can hear other people's experiences as much as you like. But until you've been there and seen it yourself, that's when it really hits home, especially when you hear the noises and you know, you know, the animal that you're just feeding water is dead now. And it's just, oh, it's horrible. Um, my little ones are four and two, and um, on the list to do this year is animal sanctuaries. We haven't done it yet. Just um, COVID and lockdowns and restrictions and all the rest of it. It just is, there's never been the right kind of time. But um, my friends obviously all go to zoos and things like that, and I can't take the kids, so they've um, they've never they've never met certain animals. So I'm really excited to take them to a sanctuary. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, when I lived in New York and people would ask me for directions to the Central Park Zoo, I'd say, I'm not telling you. It's an animal prison, and I hope you don't go. Um, I want to ask you about the movie idea, which I think is brilliant, because now I'm seeing Handmaiden's Tale as well in this. Mm -hmm. Um, What I think you need to do is, instead of writing the screenplay, because that is a special art form, um, you need to get... Um, big big production companies involved in this and you need to have professional screenwriters write the screenplay for you because like I said, I've written four books including two New York Times bestsellers, all nonfiction, which I think is the easiest type of writing in terms of books. Novels, like I said, I've written a couple, thrown them in the fireplace. Bad. <laughs> Don't want to show them to anybody. But I, I wanted to say, You know, I I did it because I was interested in trying. But I think screenplays are even harder. Why? Because every single word, every single action has to lead to a resolution, has to follow a story arc. Nothing can happen. With a novel, you can go off and, you know... Uh, contemplate your na- navel for a year, your main character, and then come back and proceed. That can happen and it has happened in books, but screenplays, everything has to. Uh, there's formulas, you know. There's 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 screenplay formulas, but it's got to arc and it's got to lead to um, certain things that you have to hit at certain pages. There's entire uh, master classes you can take online about this, which maybe you know you sound like a brilliant writer, you'd be able to tackle, but if not. If you got um, other people invested with maybe just putting together a sizzle or putting together a deck, which is what you need to pitch any production company, Uh, you can't just ideas are you know, and people aren't reading the entire book. So I think that might be the way to go, because I see this as a movie. I see this as a combination of the J.K. Rowling Harry Potter with The Handmaiden's Tale, which is such a huge thing now because there is a connection between uh the violation of the sacred feminine and factory farming. I just like I don't know how you can be an environmentalist and uh eat animals. I don't know how you can call yourself a feminist when all these animals are the the industry term is rape rack. They're not making love on these factory farms. Okay? So your thoughts on all of that. Thank you. For-
1: it's so mad that you've just quoted The Handmaidens' Tale and Harry Potter because that—that that is what comes into my head as well. And we've genuinely never had this conversation off screen. This is the first time we've spoken properly now. So that was my dream when I was writing it. But when you say it out loud to people, you, that self-doubt just kind of niggles in. It, it's, it's frustrating. You have this dream and this belief, but then when you say it to people like, oh, I want my book to be a movie, you you, you feel almost stupid saying that sometimes but that is my dream that is what i want to happen and that advice is fantastic and definitely i'm going to take on board so thank you because the wall that i'm hitting at the moment is i don't know who to approach because of the kind of book that it is if it was done on like a lower budget scale it wouldn't work it would almost be laughable because it you know the chickens can talk that the dogs can talk the humans can talk it would have to be done in that kind of you know cgi type movie scenario that costs a lot a lot of money so the right kind of person would need to read this story believe in it and want to invest in it that much I don't have those kind of contacts unfortunately (laughs) I wish I did but I'm hoping my stories get into the right hands or I find the right people to send the story to who believe in it as much as I do and then it does become that kind of movie moment because I do believe 80% of watchers would then begin their kind of vegan journey from that hand on my heart I do I mean at least 60% of my readers reach out to me asking, Oh gosh, why does this happen or why does that happen? Or, Okay, so how can I cut down on dairy? Um, how do I become vegan? People reach out to me about this. Um, I get a lot of school bookings afterwards where I go into school and I teach writing for nature classes to encourage other people to use the written word to, you know, try and help nature in some way as well. So, um, all kind of interlinks together. And it's just this really powerful thing that could make such a difference, but I I don't know where to start if I'm honest. And if anyone wants to reach out and help you, are welcome to, that would be lovely. Uh,
0: I mean, my thank you for muting. My um, sense of it is if you're a really good writer, you can pick up screenwriting. Again, it's the hardest form of writing in my humble opinion. Um, It's like a giant haiku, everything's gotta work. Um, in tandem toward it, and you've got to have the twists and the turns and the this and the that and the action, the description. But it's a lot easier today. There, there are programs where all of the um, different intricacies of how screenplay should be written are automated. So um, I don't have. I have one. It's a very cheap program. Then there are master classes that you can take online where they talk about. The, uh, you know, uh, first act twist and the plot points and the this and the that. I mean, it's quite mathematical. There are formulas to it. I think if anybody could do it, you could do it. Um, You could knock out that trilogy and then start on that and or maybe go back and forth, you know, work on the trilogy and then do uh, while you're doing the first screenplay. I mean, it's not about writing a lot of words, obviously. I don't think uh, screenplays have the word count of novels, but uh, it's definitely a completely different art form. But so is novel writing. You were a publicist and you suddenly wrote these novels. If you have a gift, you could probably figure out how to do it yourself. I think you should give it a shot. I mean, these are not expensive programs. I even took a course, it's a famous guy who teaches a course about how to, uh, it's almost like watching a one man show about how to write a screenplay. It didn't really help me because I don't think I have the gift, I have a non-fiction ability, period, end of story, but I think you might be able to do it.
1: Please send me the link to his video, that might be really helpful for me, so thank you. That would be great.
0: So tell me about the third one. Okay, the first two are based on um, Earthlings, which again is streaming on Unchained TV by the amazing Sean Munson, and Dominion, which is also streaming under documentaries on Unchained TV by the amazing Chris Delforce. These are difficult movies to watch, but we also have a lot of fun movies if you want to work your way up to that. Um, on Unchained TV. And uh, you don't have to watch only uh, gruesome films. There are a lot of fun films like Pig Little Lies, which is our reality TV show, uh, based the world's first reality TV show based on a family of pigs. That's also on Unchained TV. And for those who don't know, Unchained TV is a free global streaming network. It is available for free on your phone, you just go to your app store, put in Unchained TV, and you, you don't have to subscribe. We'd love you to subscribe, but you don't have to. It's free. The whole thing is free. Take a look there. You see all the different movies, all the different films, all the different music videos. And this podcast will be there under podcasts. So, um, in fact, it's airing on the network right now. So, uh, I personally think that. You are very close because let me say this. The hardest part is to come up with the characters, to come up with something compelling that is not finger wagging. If I had a nickel for every screenplay and other project I've seen where people are basically just screaming, go vegan, go vegan. It doesn't work that way. You've got to get people in the tent. That's why we did Pig Little Lies, which is a fun, lighthearted, although there's moments of drama, reality tv series that shows when people connect the dots the intelligence the sensitivity of pigs how they love their families how they form personal relationships all of that is built in but people get to come to the conclusion themselves and that was one of our most successful um, series so far on unchained tv so i agree with you entirely i think you've done the hardest part and I will say, false modesty doesn't help the animals. This will be a movie. You have one thing I've learned from Dr. Silas Rao and others if you can't articulate it, how is it going to happen? So I think you need to own that you've come up with something amazing and um, now it's going to be a movie. Uh, I think James Cameron, who just finished Avatar, uh, would be great
1: on this dream, I won't lie. I tried to contact his agent and many other people's agents, but they must get so much mail that I'm probably not even come up on the radar. And that's why I've not taken it to those next kind of steps. But it is the dream. It is what I want to do. And that's really good advice. I need to stop kind of feeling stupid for saying that because I do believe in the book. And then the people that read the book seem to believe in it as well. So which is great. And the final book that I'm writing at the moment, it's just... Oh, there's just, there's just everything in it. So with the reverse world that's happening in Earthling's Dominion in Land and Hope of Glory, it's the sub-narrative, it's the setting, it's just what's going on. The core actual story is magic-based because I knew that would be what would draw people in. Everyone loves Harry Potter, um, Stranger Things, um, Hunger Games. Um, Shadow and Bone, The Witcher you know those are the the kind of programs that get hundreds of millions of of viewers it's such a big target audience so it's the magic that draws people in and then it's not until you're already invested in the story that the kind of the message comes through so it's not in your face straight away you don't realize straight away and book one like I say um, Peridot doesn't know she's magic born she's got this really overprotective mother Is a very powerful witch as well. Uh, She doesn't want Peridot knowing about her powers. She doesn't want her knowing about what's going on in the Earthlings world. So until the age of 16, she doesn't have a clue. She thinks the world is as we know it now. And then... She wants to get away and find out about the world for herself, and then we see everything through her eyes, because she doesn't know what's happening in the Earthling's world. She doesn't know that the world is run by ex-farm animals who have had enough and who have revolted, who have found their their words. And here she is with all these powers, and she doesn't know how to use them. She doesn't know how powerful she is. There's uh, mythology based within her magic powers as well that you see more of in Book 2. I don't want to give anything away in case people are going to go and read. Um, when you realize where her magic comes from it's like that ah oh, moment well for me it was anyway and i wrote it which is just silly but yeah and then book three um there's a lot of surprises in book two and then book three is kind of the accumulation of all of that and then where's it going to go um i focus quite a lot on um the transportation aspects of um of the food chain as well, because something happens in book two where the farmed humans are then kind of no longer available. So the tyrant within the book has to bring over farmed humans from overseas and then focus a bit on zoos um, I can't get too much fan of the story, but I tried to raise awareness for as many moments as I can, but within this magic-based narrative where can Peridot save the world? Can she control her, her powers? What are her powers? Where have they come from? Is her mum going to find her? Is she, all these other things that are going on. So there's enough there for people to enjoy the story and not just think, oh, this is vegan propaganda, because it's not. It's really, really not. It's a magic-based story, but with a message.
0: Wow. Well, I just want to say... I am so impressed and blown away by your accomplishments because I know how hard it is. Um, It's just, I mean, to finish it and to have it that good. And what I love is that you do have confidence in the story, which is key. All the other things are window dressing. The story is the key and the heart of it. So everybody is very excited about this. Um, Tom says, put her on the team. Well, she's very busy, but I think that we can help her connect with some people who might be able to do this um, because it needs to happen. People are already casting. Keanu Reeves has got to be in it. Um, I like it. I like it. This is very exciting. And I want to say thank you for coming on. You know, we have so many exciting conversations here on Unchained TV and I really invite everybody to download our app. It is a free app, okay? It is run by our nonprofit, okay? And we do uh, not do it for any other reason than probably the same reason why Ray Starr is writing these books to open people's hearts, to open people's hearts and minds and get them to change their behavior. And we wanna burst through the vegan echo chamber. And get to um, really the people who need to hear this information. And those are the people who uh, consider themselves good people, consider themselves kind people, often consider themselves animal lovers. But there's this one big disconnect. And if we really reach those people, I think we can save the planet because we are barreling toward a climate apocalypse right now. I want to thank you so very much for joining us, Ray Star. Thank you, Jane. It's been amazing. Thank
2: Thank thank you. you.